Welcome to the State of Minds podcast, where we pick the brains of the best minds in neuroscience today. This is a podcast of the Graduate School of Systemic Neurosciences at the Ludwig Maximilian University in Munich, made possible thanks to the generous support of Lena Beetle and Sven Schwan. Thank you. 
you know, because first we didn't have a data lab, and so I was trying to, to see everything. And and second, um, you know, I think it's just more of an attractive environment for, for that for that reason. Um, but we've been very lucky to get outstanding people since since joining the table. You're talking about collaboration, you've recently joined the International Laboratory for Computational and System Neuroscience, which you know is 21 which you know is 21 large festivals in Belgium, Africa, and Scandinavia. But what is the genesis of that project in general, and more particularly, why is it to be quite focused on machine learning? Yeah, um, so the project is an experiment. Um, something like this needs to happen, and we hope we'll be the people who are able to make it happen. Um, the, the, the reasoning is it goes back to this idea earlier that there are hundreds of brain areas and they all work together to do even the simplest tasks you can think of. Um, and the problem is just too big for one individual or one lab to, to tackle. Um, and the experimental techniques that are taught in the brain are now kind of coming into place particularly these newer technology electrodes that, that have a thousand recording sites. Um, you know, given a reasonable amount of time of a reasonable amount of people, but not even a huge, massive scale effort, just a reasonable amount of effort, it will be possible to record from pretty much the whole brain in fairly accurate detail. Um, so this pattern that's been around for so long of how all these brain areas work together to drive behavior is now coming into reach in the sense that the technical tools exist to solve it. What we don't have is the kind of sociological structure that will allow it to happen given that it's just too big of a problem for one individual. So that's the idea of this experiment with the International Brain Lab to try and come up with a new um, way of doing science that's appropriate for this specific setting. And there's a lot of models um, that we looked at uh, of, of successful large-scale collaborations in the past, and, and none of them are really exactly what's needed for this problem. So one example would be the Human Genome Project, where they, you know, they had a very clear end goal. We want to sequence the genome, and we know exactly what we need to do. There'll be more technical developments to make it happen, uh, but, but we want a very clear end goal. Um, in this case, we can only define our end goal in, in loose terms, like we want to understand how the brain solves any task. It, it's not so clearly defined, so we, we've got to give, we've got to come up with a structure that lets people work together while also not controlling it from the top and allowing individuals to have their own creative ideas and go in directions that nobody had thought of and find things nobody was expecting. So actually my favorite analogy is um, to the early days of molecular biology when there was a large group who all worked on E. coli, um, understanding the, 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 you know, the process of going from DNA to RNA to the proteins, and they all worked in the same system. And lots of people used different approaches, um, 
that's the level of math that's just not worth talking about with biology. Well, what do you feel they are? Only people who can combine the competencies or somehow really forcing different people to collaborate more? I think what's going to happen is individuals are going to come along who um, make progress through whatever means are necessary. Uh, it, it might be that math isn't going to be so useful in neuroscience, or it might be. I think it, it is, and, and the way it's going, it seems like, I mean, well, I'm, I'm, I'm very struck by the fact that we saw this, this regularity in this data that went yesterday. And if that's the sign of how things are going to go, then there really will be a lot of math. Like, if you look back in the history of science at other fields like uh, chemistry or astronomy or, 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 or such, say chemistry, um, chemistry now is very mathematical, um, but it certainly didn't used to be when it was alchemy, you know, it was just about what reacts with what and produces what, and, and, and then it was very much a qualitative science. And nobody ever would have thought that you'd use mathematics in, in chemistry back in, back in those days. But it's just as time went by, and the experiments got more accurate, and people learned which experiments to do that will give you quantitative answers and let you find quantitative regularities in the data. So still most experiments, even in physics, won't do that because it's, you know, you do that any completely random experiment, you won't be able to predict the answer quantitatively. It's only a very small number of possible experiments that you could do that people have learned to do that let you make these quantitative laws. So we don't know if this is going to happen in biology. Um, you know, biology obviously deals with messy systems, so there's no reason a priori that there needs to be quantitative laws. On the other hand, there didn't need to be quantitative laws in, in chemistry and physics, but there were, so we just don't know. It's too early to say there won't be in biology, and, and there are glimpses of the sort of things that in neuroscience might end up as quantitative laws. If that does hold out, then there probably will need to be some quite advanced maths done to explain them and make theories behind them. And that will mean people will need to come from that background. I think, you know, in terms of learning, there's kind of a critical period for learning maths. But if you don't do it when you're fairly young, it's going to be too late which is less true of biology. So it's probably that way round is the way where those people are going to come from. But it certainly doesn't mean that everybody who does neuroscience needs to ha have a quantitative background any more than every chemist does. I mean, even that way, they don't need to be. This is my question again. So would you like to use Management or I, I don't really regret not learning biology out of it. In the, in the English educational system, 
came to learn biology was all phony. So learning it then might not have really been that much use anyway. Things that you could have done later. The way they taught biology at Hospital was so bad. It was like just learning what everything's called and not learning how it works, which was completely absurd even then because, you know, the basics of molecular biology were well established. They just didn't didn't try and teach us that. It was just this is the mitochondrion. What does it do? Oh, I don't know anymore. I have two questions that are of the exact uh, what is the most successful theory in neuroscience today in your opinion? Oh, the Bill Hopkins theory. Well, that's If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcast from. Till next time.